So uh, I have this thing that I want to talk about. Okay. Um, I found this, and I thought that this might be kind of comforting mm-hmm. uh, in a very, very bizarre way or maybe a dark way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. We talk about a lot of subjects on this show, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that this just happened. This appeared in my algorithm on the uh, social medias today. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an article, nine rock stars who died and were brought back to life. (laughs) And I just thought you and I could enjoy this list for a little bit. We could, uh, you know, we could sit back and we could talk about nine rock stars who died and were brought back to life. They didn't just die, Eric. They didn't just curl up and die. They, okay. they uh, decided to come back. Sometimes they come back. So Can you do the intro while I laugh? Because I'm going to uh, die. stars who didn't oh just God. die <laughs> they were also brought back to life they they were brought back to life eric <laughs> okay i gotta say this is one of the stupidest things i've ever heard very stupid but yeah okay let's hear it all right let's hear the nine <clears throat> first slash slash was dead and you know what he did he got a visit to his hotel room at 5 a.m from some drug dealers he was blue he took all of it and then he collapsed Okay. And went into cardiac arrest. Now they took him to the hospital, but he said he was fine. And then he signed himself out, went back to the hotel, and they flew to the next gig. So he's not dead. He's alive. So these are all just going to be like drug overdoses. Uh, no, no, hold on a second. <laughs> I was thinking of like Weekend at Bernie's too with the, the voodoo drums. <laughs> well, now, now hold on. Like Let's... that level of coming just... back to life. <laughs> That's just number one, okay? Okay. So let's let's see. Number two is Nikki Six. <laughs> that does, okay. That, does, that doesn't really. Uh, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't help the case at all. It's like his greatest accomplishment in life. Like his, yeah, that he died like, and yeah, yeah, okay. that he died and came back. And Phil out and Selmo same. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Phil, Phil and Selmo was on this list. I, think. I hate Phil and Selmo. His voice makes not his singing voice. That's like whatever, but his speaking voice. It honestly just sounds like morbid, depressing death. Yes. Being he does have a very... through his body, like a bellows. That's how I imagine, like a he bellows have... being squeezed, filled with death and sadness, and then it comes out of his pie hole, and it just sounds like, and then I was dead. And I... Like... I don't want to hear it. Like, it's too much. I'm sorry. Yeah, he sounds like somebody who you should avoid in person, <laughs> yeah. like at all costs. Yeah. He, he definitely has a real-life Grim Reaper vibe. <laughs> like, fuck off. Leave me alone. If I'm going to be this miserable, then fucking... All right, so next up is uh, Leon Wilkinson. Huh. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. He was the bassist of Leonard Skinner. Now, oh, this is okay. this is actually interesting. He was actually in the plane crash. 
Mm-hmm. And he's the, I don't know if he's the only one, but I guess that he just got out of it with a crushed chest and a broken jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that time, he did die. And he said he found himself sitting on a cloud shaped log with Ronnie Van Zant and Dwayne Allman. And uh, Ronnie told him, Boy, get yourself out of here. It's not your time yet. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It's, it's yeah. sad, but I mean, not to be like... morbid, but anyone who dies <laughs> is sitting on a log. <laughs> oh, I just, man. anyway, sitting on a log dying. That's, that's what made me think of. Um, <laughs> well, I, meant that, I meant that you shit your pants. <laughs> oh! flew over my head that flew under my ass <laughs> yeah yeah that too it flew under my ass into my head <laughs> over my head okay anyway just um, a little so, scatological humor what else would the, i bring uh, ozzy uh, ozzy osborne uh mm-hmm. yeah he died i mean the taste of bats is very salty so he was writing this doesn't involve drugs well, maybe it does, but he was riding on eight on on an, an ATV hmm. on the grounds of his English estate on December eighth, two thousand three, and it flipped and landed on top of him. Wow, it's crazy. When he woke up, he was so confused that you could have told him he was upside down in a kilt, and he would have believed you. Taste of salt. Phil and Salmo, we already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we did. Ugh. Don Powell. The band Slade. Oh, you know? okay. Mm-hmm. Come on, feel the noise. Yeah. He ran through a hedge and crashed into a wall, and his heart stopped twice, and he was able to Wait, be revived. Like just out running? I don't know. Or in a car? Yeah, with a car. Throwing okay. him from the car, yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the idea of someone just running through a hedge and hitting the wall. <laughs> just for the heck of it. <laughs> just for the heck of it, yeah. Now, Josh Homme from mm-hmm. Queens of the Stone Age, uh, I knew about this one. He... um died on an operating table for hmm. knee surgery. He ended up getting a wow. staph infection, which turned to MRSA. Operate. Uh, yeah, so that I knew not that one. Not as funny. Then, not as funny, no. And then Dave Gahan from Depeche Mode. Yeah. Uh, overdosed on a mixture of heroin and cocaine. So that's hmm. nine. Oh, Al Jorgensen. Of course Al Jorgensen oh. died several <laughs> times. I mean, come on, dude. And he actually was brought back with voodoo drums and is a zombie. So yes. Yes. That works out. Huh. So he his was from ulcers, which was caused by years of drinking. Did you see the ministry documentary? Hmm. I guess but not. They were talking about um the opening acts during i think it was the filth pig tour and uh Mm -hmm. how the audience was becoming extremely hostile towards the opening acts that Mm. al was bringing on tour with him and then they went to the reverend horton heat (laughs) and uh you know of course you've heard them of course they're like don't sound like ministry at all and uh people were just like throwing shit at him right Mm. and uh, then they went to the jesus lizard and mm-hmm. David Yao was in the crowd yelling in the microphone off the stage. Wow. And he's all like, if you want us to stop, I need you to say these words right now, rock and roll. And then like the crowd, like he put the mic out and the crowd yelled that they're like, rock and roll. It's like louder rock and roll. And he's like, all right, we're going to play two more songs. <laughs> You know, and they played two more songs, and wow. I can't imagine that Jesus Lizard would have been that 
you know, like hated on yeah. ministry tour. Like that is they're, weird. they're heavy. Yeah. You know, but huh. I don't know. I, I think they were just referring to the Reverend Horton heat. Yeah. That makes sense. I saw, I've seen him like three times. I didn't mean to Re- Reverend but... Horton heat. Yeah. Yeah. He's all right. I saw him on this cool show called the Texas on the road mm-hmm. tour or something like that. It was at call ballroom in Davenport. And it oh, was, was that with um, Butthole Surfers and Toadies? Yeah. And... Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. Toadies were phenomenal. Eric, this would be the perfect opportunity for me to ask you a question that I've actually oh. kind of had on the on the back of my mind since uh-huh. you made a comment actually a while uh-huh. back. Oh, about the Toadies and how yeah. you you said they were highly problematic. Now. Could you expand on that a little bit? Like what, what makes Tody super highly yeah, problematic? Sure. I, 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 I will talk about that <clears throat> because it's something that um, I've been thinking about a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's been around for a long time, this sort of like uh, idea that men show their sensitivity and caring through like aggression and, violence and like stalking and like obsessing and stuff like mm-hmm. it used to be i think it used to be sort of like how men show their sensitivity or at least in media and i think that's messed up like i don't know like the song i'd rather see you dead by the beatles or taxi driver or all these things where like a man is presented like he's somewhat sensitive even though he's like using guilt trips and like kind of obsessing and i don't know like it it's it's an idea that uh, it's not as prevalent today but like songs about like killing or abusing women and stuff used to be a lot more common and it bothers me a lot like yesterday i listened to the song polly by nirvana and it's it's really a disgusting song like i don't know how else to say it like i don't i know that obviously kurt cobain's writing as a character and that's fine but why be that character why be someone that i don't know treats women that way and and hurts people and stuff and like that used to be kind of i don't know it's weird i get the same vibes from the descendants sometimes like just like how friend zone you know like the friend zone like that idea is really gross to me and i don't know just like and the toadies for whatever reason utilize that kind of thinking and those song subjects a lot like fairly often where todd lewis and like i said i'm this is obviously a character or whatever but he presents himself as this hurt sort of solitary man who is actually deeply sensitive, so sensitive that the only way he can express himself is through like violence or, or like, yeah, like stalking or whatever. And so I I just think that idea is like super antiquated and dead and it should be because it's gross, but to go back and listen to some of that stuff or watch some of those movies or whatever, read some of those books, it's like, I don't know. I'm glad it's kind of not as acceptable as it was, but it used to be pretty prevalent and has been for a long time. So 
that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the toadies being problematic. Like there's just a lot of songs where the protagonist is sort of this hurt person who hurts people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, sorry to go mm -hmm. off on that, but no, that, no, um, that is like my I think, observation. So. I think that's a fair point. One thing I do want to point out, particularly on the song Tyler, is actually yeah. about a real life stalker right. who was going around and entering people's homes in yeah. Texas. Right. Um, uh, but I, I can see where you're going with that. And actually, I do agree with you. Um, but unfortunately, the whole friend zone thing that you were talking about is far from dead. I think what I meant was, I don't think it's going away. Right. I don't mean that. I just think it's like presenting that sort of, I those sort of ideas and material isn't seen as being a sensitive artist anymore. Sure. Okay. You know, like men, men's yeah. rights groups or whatever, like whatever. I mean, that yeah. is asinine, but it, I think it used to honestly be like, I don't know, like, a, a, like if you watch the shining, like, or, or like I mentioned taxi driver or whatever, these are just movies about someone loving so much that they have to abuse people. That's insane. You know, and it's yeah. like, I don't know, it just used to dominate sort of uh, a lot of media and just, I don't know. It, you it's know, just, it's gross to me. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's <laughs> and I'm not above it. I've written songs where that was the intent. Sure. Because I was like, what was happening in yeah. the 90s, you know, in early 2000s? And well, it, whatever but it's like you can't do it now and going back and listening now it's like you just have to be aware of it like this isn't this wouldn't fly today and if you're going to enjoy it at least understand what you're hearing and don't just buy into it and accept it you know you know the best um <laughs> best example that i can think of is mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies from the 90s high fidelity Oh God, that's a that great like, example. That is that is a perfect example because you got yeah. a character John John Cusack who's mm -hmm. like all pissed off because she's having sex with this other guy. Like that's the thing about the friend zone. The whole concept to me is gross because women don't owe you anything. They don't owe you. Don't get to judge them or decide what kind of person they are or if they're doing the right thing or if they should go on a date with you or like you don't they don't owe you anything no, men yeah. get the fuck over it well it's it's, it's yeah <laughs> no. exactly it's it's one of those things where it's like if you get rejected you just have to accept the rejection like you yeah know what i mean like just right. accept that like she doesn't want to go out with you and yeah, yeah no i've i've definitely acted that way in the past mm -hmm. myself sure. i actually had a uh in high school, I, mm -hmm. I acted that way uh, oh, very man. much so. And I, just, the whole high school for me was yeah. spent crushing on people and feeling dejected and feeling like, oh, if they only really knew me and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, that's who cares? Your, yeah. your problems don't aren't a result of someone else not liking you in that way. Yeah honestly it's really an insane way to think like that person hurt me and, and they're an asshole for it it's like mm -hmm. that's psychotic it is psychotic you know and, and, uh, and but it used to be more acceptable i think the only thing that like i will say to that though is men should not show emotions men should never cry <laughs> 
men should yeah. never, um, you know, like they should always be working and that's it. Right. And they, they really shouldn't have conversation with people. Mm -hmm. They should just be stoic, be inside every day. Yeah. And oh, man. Don't even get me start, started on stoicism. Jesus Christ. <laughs> For whatever reason, YouTube started showing, like, suggesting these videos to me. And I watched a couple of them. I'm like, I hate this. I fucking or, like, hate like, what are they, this. What are they about? They are honestly, like, about being a strong man in every oh, situation yeah, yeah. and like don't give in to your emotions and follow this logical uh mm. flow chart to know how you're supposed to feel and how you're supposed also, to respond and it's like what are you talking about like you're also just not be a human to, you're also not supposed to cry in front of your uh in front of your woman because then she will <laughs> see your weakness Mm -hmm. Oh God! No, seriously, that's yeah. that again. That's that whole manosphere thing that I'm telling it's, you about. It's, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yep. It, it makes me upset that I even know that that exists. Because right. seriously, like five years ago, I looked on YouTube for like better productive things, like conspiracy theories, that <laughs> and you know <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. And it's like so, right. you know, I don't know yep. what happened to like the truth but it's not there anymore no they're trying to hide it from you with this yeah with these really. dating podcasts but instead like you know like the whole thing about like um the earth being flat anyway let's move on <laughs> um, uh records yeah records records yeah. are flat did you know that yeah yeah well Have so, you heard? so yeah records are the uh flat record theory is yeah uh, the flat record theory have yeah. you heard about this yeah it's uh well here's the thing it's actually not the flat record theory. It's the round record theory. Oh. There's, a, there's a conspiracy theory out there that records mm -hmm. are actually round. And I believe uh, them. Oh I my God. Them. I believe them. Mm -hmm. Well, they do spin me right round. <laughs> like a baby right round. Uh, that guy died. That guy died. <laughs> no, seriously, kidney disease. Just give a kidney. Who's going first? Uh, apparently the dead or alive guy um <laughs> come on everybody it's record time all right i'm going first with squid ladies and gentlemen so squid oh monolith is the album that i picked so they're this band from brighton england and they consist of singer drummer ollie judge guitarist louise borlais i believe uh i can't read my own writing and uh, Anton Pearson, bassist, I think it's Laurie Nancavelli, and keyboardist Arthur Ledbetter. The best way that I can really describe this record is, well, it's it's pretty difficult, but also oddly familiar. It's, I would just say it's kind of like experimental punk, but with that being said, it's not so experimental that it's unlistenable. In this case, I would say that the experiments kind of lie more in some of the sounds than like, say, like the song structures, although the song structures do get a little wild sometimes, but it's a record that has a lot of different parts. And I realize this is, I describe a lot of, a lot of the music that, uh, on this podcast that way, it's, um, I discovered squid on KEXP. They did a performance. Um, and also a friend of mine um, who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, his name is Chris, 
uh, he turned me on to these guys with their first album and said, Hey, this is something that's kind of interesting. I think maybe you would enjoy it. And I watched the live performance and I was immediately um, intrigued. I thought that it was, it was really cool. So yeah, it starts off with kind of a standard, well, I, I guess I don't want to say standard, but just like a, it's an indie rockish, punk rockish song. But then from there, it gets really, um, it just kind of gets weird from there, which is what I really, really like about it. The singer kind of, there's use of like robotic effects on the vocals in one of the songs. There's definitely like um, synthesizers. The percussion is really, really interesting. Uh, vocals, really, really interesting. Um, the guitar parts are kind of a little, I don't know. Um, I guess you could say sort of subtle in some places. Like sometimes I'm not sure if I'm hearing a guitar or if I'm hearing a keyboard sort of thing, which I, I, I really like about it as well. But it goes into a lot of different territories. I mean, there's parts of it are very noise rock. Parts of it are very prog rock. Uh, there's even some elements of like, funk and soul, particularly there's one song that goes into like a, a really like soul sort of sound. It's a really just overall a cool sound um, that this record has. Uh, when the guitar, when you do hear the guitars, which I mean, that's really, when I talked about the guitars being subtle, that's really only in a few parts. When you do hear the guitars, they're very warm sounding. Uh, the tone and the production is excellent. The way that this album kind of twists and turns in some spots is really cool. Uh, some of the songs are lengthy, which sort of, I don't know, I would I would say definitely like Krautrock is definitely a, a reference here. Yeah, the song structures are just extremely interesting. I would say like probably... Um, the star of the show is definitely the use of the synthesizers. I think that they incorporate that into the mix very, very well. Yeah, the percussion also is one of my favorite parts. I think the 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 drummer is utilizes some really interesting rhythms. As far as like what this reminds me of, uh, the band Azek uh, or Exec that we reviewed a while back. There's some stuff that reminds me of like Unwound, uh, Six Finger Satellite, Craftwork, uh, Retros, Oneida. And then there's, you know, some Talking Heads, Modest Mouse kind of stuff going on in there, uh, Radiohead. And then I would say Can and King Crimson. And I would even say like the band Haploid from Des Moines. I think that there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And yeah, there definitely is sort of like a... Um, sort of like 70s new wave type thing going on as well. I could even see like something like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like a like a, a band from that era. Anyway, but um, anyway, um, what did you think, Eric? Suicide. Yeah. Suicide oh, is the band I was thinking of. I get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Squid. I, I liked it. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's like rhythm, rhythmic. I thought it was really jazzy. 
too mm -hmm. at times. Uh, very eclectic. It let itself get funky at times, which sometimes I don't dig, but sometimes it works really well. Like like you mentioned retro, so I would say that for me is a good example of things that allow itself to get funky or like a Savoy Motel, right? Is that what they're called? Yeah, Savoy Motel. Yeah, the, they also did a nice job of that, of being funky um, without it, I don't know, crossing over into like a parody of funk. Mm -hmm. um, it also has a really big indie sound to me and good portions of like post-punk and garage rock revival stuff for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of cool elements working together. Uh, I would say it's almost impossible to compare this to something else, like specifically, like another band that sounds like this. Mm -hmm. There's just so many things going on, but it definitely all works together and sounds like squid. I think the performances are great overall. Like you said, the production is like flawless. I, I really enjoyed listening to this record because of the production because the production is like so crystal clear and clean. I think that works on a lot of different levels because for me, what I really enjoyed about this was how each sound in it sort of carves out its own space and it doesn't really interfere with everything else that's going on or everyone else's performances. And because of that, it really adds to the overall like clean, an intricate sort of sound of it all, which yeah. for me, I think the production is equally as important in that. But like you said, the percussion for me definitely is like the scaffolding for the whole thing. And it does have this very kraut rock kind of feel to it. But with that being said, I don't think it really stays so rigid that it never like moves or changes within the song, which I, I think a lot of times that uh, description of kraut rock percussion and rhythm kind of indicates that it is very rigid. I would say this is rigid within the moments that it's in, but it's free to move and change, which is really cool. Uh, overall, yeah, I thought it was um, a really cool listen. Um, and yeah, what they set out to do, they accomplished very well. Things that it sort of reminded me of, Can, for sure, Wire, Pair Ubu, Hot Hot Heat, The Liars, Television, Pavement, Animal Collective. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, all that stuff seems really different, but then at the same time, I think you can see how they're connected, at least as far as like maybe philosophy or approach or things like that, or even sounds. So, uh this falls right into line with uh, all that, all that stuff, and it's just as experimental and, and cool. So, yeah, good, good pick. We spin.
this week is a collabo between uh, Full of Hell and Nothing. It's called When No Birds Sang from 2023. So Full of Hell is grindcore. I wouldn't say it's basic grindcore or anything like that or derivative grindcore. I think it's interesting stuff, but at its core, it is grindcore. They're from Maryland and Pennsylvania. Uh, Nothing is post-shoegaze, maybe ambient at times. They're from Pennsylvania as well. And this is a collaboration between those two projects. The first track is super heavy, painfully slow, very grindcore oriented, and it slowly morphs into more of a ambient kind of feel um, near the end. And from this point, I would say after the first song, I think the grindcore elements sort of get they kind of get diluted into what nothing is doing. And um, not to say that those elements aren't there, they continue to pop up and be present throughout the whole thing, but they don't really take the center stage like they do with the first track. It becomes really a a nice combination Um, from after the first track, the sections aren't as like obvious and separated from there. The tracks have a really cool atmospheric, sound a lot of cool like pretty vocal samples moments of just pure noise and chaos dreamy ambient stuff mellow shoegaze but also there's always this presence of this excruciating like heaviness just under the surface of all this just waiting to bubble up and come through and and i don't know rip your ears out kind of Mm -hmm. And I I think they do a really nice job as far as mixing these things together and truly bringing them together in a way that it's not two bands anymore. It really is one focus. But all the performances are great. It's difficult for me to tell or even start to guess of how this was recorded or assembled. Like I said, there's definitely moments where it feels like the full, full of hell band and other moments where it feels like the full nothing project. A lot of the moments feel assembled maybe by one or two musicians too, like taking pieces of things, putting them together. Like I said, the construction of this, I don't know how they did it. Um, I'd be interested in knowing, but the effect of it is really cool. Overall, it's a pretty brutal, dark and brooding, but it, sort of can't help but be angelic and almost uplifting sounding at times. Uh, Just really pretty. Things that it reminded me of, uh, Jesu, for sure. Um, I think a lot of, like, uh, Justin Broderick stuff, you know, this is, it fits in well with that stuff. Uh, Mogwai, Conate, that Nadja group that we reviewed not long ago. Yeah, stuff along those lines. I thought it was really heavy, pretty, and really nice to have on, to be honest. Like, I don't think, I I think it gets close to being challenging at times, but at its core, I think that it's just a really enjoyable project. So what'd you think, Dan? I like this a lot. I don't know much about either of these bands. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard the name Full of Hell because... 
our friends in Closet Witch have played with them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, may have even toured with them. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I know that they've um, at least played with them at least once. Um, and I believe our friends with them. Yeah, full of hell and nothing when no birds sang. I think this is um, re- a really well done combination of doomy noise metal. Definitely a um, grind component for sure because... Uh, well, Full of Hell is a grindcore band. Then Atmospheric Shoegaze, which, judging from the description of nothing, that makes total sense. Yeah, it starts off really heavy, and then, yeah, it, it starts to give way more to, I believe, the nothing side of things, but with definitely some noticeable elements of heaviness there. You know, Full of Hell is still definitely, like present there so it doesn't it doesn't sound like you know full of hell is kind of like escaping from the record or anything you can definitely tell that the two are still very full well um collaborating the the thing that i really like about this is the bass tone it is so driving and so just like heavy um Mm -hmm. and honestly it kind of reminds me of the bass tone of like the early tool records like undertow type stuff is really what the sound of the bass reminds me of and i feel like especially in some of the the songs as it gets deeper into the record i feel like that becomes like you know almost what the songs are being carried by is the bass and the drums are are really really good like the, you hear like a just a real solid rhythm section but there's other things going on too. The vocals on the first song are just blood curdling, but then the vocals become really angelic. And so this, the thing that this, this record really executes very well is sort of the um, loud, quiet dynamic. I feel like that happens in metal quite often, especially like the atmospheric, like, I mean, there are times where this does sound almost like an atmospheric black metal record. It's definitely got an ambience to it that is just gorgeous. I'm I'm assuming that the the vocals are being done by both vocalists of the band. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I would think that the uh the more um angelic type vocals are being done by the singer of nothing, and then the heavier stuff is being done by the singer of full of hell. Um mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure, but that's just what I assume. But yeah, the production on this is just really wild. Another element of this that I think needs to be mentioned is the fantastic use of samples, mm-hmm. especially sure. on the first song where it sounds like they're giving a weather report. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just awesome the way that that's, um, that's being kind of thrown into the mix and everything. And I don't think it's just being thrown into the mix. I mean, maybe it is, I don't know, but it definitely sounds like there was a purpose for that being there, you know, at that time. If nothing else, it definitely adds to the ambience of the whole project. And the guitars are just very dreamy and very dreamlike. So, I mean, you know, I definitely do feel like, for the most part, like the the production and the and the tones of the guitars do tend to kind of lean more towards like a shoegaze type sound like Mm -hmm. especially when you start getting into like 
tracks, you know, two, three, four, you mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. But when it does get heavy, it gets heavy. I mean, like really intense. So yeah, I think um, if you're into atmospheric metal of any kind, and also like sort of doomy noise metal, or grindcore even, or just full of hell and nothing, <laughs> I think <laughs> that you will um, be into this record. Um, as far as the stuff it reminded me of, 100%, first thing I wrote down was JC and Godflesh. Mm -hmm. But it also reminded me a little bit of Isis, a little bit of the Melvin's Lustmorg record, Neurosis, Swans. Mm -hmm. um, but then also like, um, yeah, and I think you you kind of mentioned this with Mogwai, like mm -hmm. some of the some of the more instrumental, like Tristeza comes to mind, mm -hmm. um, Juno comes to mind, Cancer Conspiracy, and Mogwai, and Mono as well all of that stuff. This is definitely for you if you're into any of that. You know, it's definitely like a uh, atmospheric metal record done very, very well. And I think um, it's really cool that they uh, they collaborated because I, I assume that each of these groups, you know, like records don't really like, I'm not sure how much Full of Hell really delves into like um, shoegaze territory on their own. Maybe they do, yeah. I don't know. I would assume that nothing probably doesn't really delve into like, right. you know, the grindcore side of things very mm -hmm. much on their own either. So it's really cool to see like those two worlds come together. Yeah, for sure. So nice. yeah, I liked it a lot. It was it was really done really well. we are going to talk about today and their album is 10 tigers ac i'm not sure what the ac stands for i don't know yeah i, I don't know either um i may have to ask uh, mj that uh, hmm. but anyway the name of the record is dreams for sale and it's a uh, six song i guess ep uh but they are calling it a record or an album or yeah. maybe they are calling it an EP, but I think they're calling it an album. Shorter records are are kind of uh, kind of my my jam these days. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, so Ten Tigers AC are from our hometown that we're proudly from, mm -hmm. uh, Muscatine, Iowa, <laughs> featuring MJ Dunlap and Nate Wall, both on guitar and I believe on vocals. Nathan Reganator on bass. And then Steve Hansen, Mike Clifton, and Carl Migas, who 
I'm not sure who's doing what uh, when it comes to those three. I'm mm-hmm. not sure who the drummer is. A lot of these guys are from a band that was uh, from Muscatine a long time ago called Burnt Ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I know MJ and Nate are, and I'm assuming that Steve, Mike, and Carl probably maybe were as well. I'm not 100% on that. So 10 Tigers AC is kind of like the, um, I think the logical extension of like where burn ends left off without really sounding like it's a continuation of burn ends or anything like that. These guys have always really been into like what I would kind of describe as the psychedelic sort of end of like indie rock kind of. And so what you usually hear is some elements of like maybe jamming kind of going on a little bit. Although I would say that on this record in particular, I don't really hear that as much, but there may be some influence on that end. And there's also lots of really cool guitar effects. Songs are really, really good. Uh, The bass is awesome. I know Nathan plays bass. Uh, There's always excellent performances and great songs coming from these guys, though. And also, um, I haven't seen 10 Tigers AC live, but I I did see burn-ins several times, and they were always fun live. So, yeah, it's it's got a quirky nature to it, a a quirkiness to it, which, you know, that always... That's always kind of the case with this group of musicians. The guitars sound really nice. Production is really nice. Uh, Just excellent performance overall. One of the things that I really like is Nate's voice. It's got, again, I I was using this word earlier, but it's definitely got that quirkiness to it and almost like like a rockabilly twang to it or something. It's really interesting how that gets incorporated into this this kind of music which at times has like reverb heaviness of like something like pink floyd or even like built to spill or something like that you know it's got a roots rock element but i don't think it is straight up like roots rock whatever that means anyway it definitely has some like levels of experimentation i feel like you know musically and sometimes almost enters like this dreaminess area type thing one of the things that i really like is this song called pancakes where i think it's nate and he's singing about all these memories it sounds like it's got a really like human quality to it and it just it made me really smile because it almost it's almost like he was sort of recalling like either his childhood or maybe like acknowledging like his own child's childhood or something. And uh, one of the memories that he references in the lyrics is having pancakes for dinner after all of these sequence of things that are going on throughout the day. I thought that that was a, I thought that was really cool. It's a very like sort of simple thing, but it also just like, I don't know, it put a, it put a smile on my face. And I, and again, with that sort of twanginess of the vocals, it just sort of added something to it. It kind of made it heartfelt and funny at the same time. This is a really fun release. Um, I, I think that the length of it is perfect. Um, I think the songs, yeah, they, they go in some really 
wild direction sometimes. And when I say wild, I don't mean it gets like super crazy or experimental, but just definitely like really dreamy. Like it almost sounds like a road trip sort of thing. And uh, I think that's kind of what they go for. You know, it's, it's really cool stuff. As far as the stuff it reminds me of, meat puppets, cymbals, eat guitars, built to spill, Pink Floyd and Grateful Dead for sure. I would say Modest Mouse. I would say like Bonnie Prince Billy. I would say Uncle Tupelo and Wilco and Drive By Truckers a little bit because there is definitely like a like a twangy sort of. I don't want to say country, but I, I I can definitely see how this would be influenced by that kind of stuff. And then I would also say like Fish as well, you know, because like I said, there is sort of a little bit of a jammy element to it, but it's also like I like jam, you know, like uh sometimes you know like mm -hmm. and i think they have like the perfect like um amount of it i don't think they get too overly jammy quote unquote at all and i've listened to this quite a few times and every single time it's joy to listen to you so uh what did you think eric i um thought it was cool yeah i i know some of the people involved i uh know MJ and Reganator pretty well. Nate Wall and Steve Hansen, I remember from school. But yeah, this is cool stuff. And it's cool that it's coming out of Muscatine. And um, I think I agree with you on almost every level. I think I heard some other things in there as well. So I, I heard sort of a shoegazy element. I think they're, they cultivate a lot of um, atmosphere, you know, a lot of ambience. We spend a lot of time in a bit of a murky place sound-wise, um, which I think is awesome. It's uh, kind of like you were saying with the jammy stuff, but I, I do think it's a little more um, open-ended and maybe a little more experimental. But yeah, definitely like the psych side of indie rock. And I do actually think there's some elements of geek rock or even like experimental prog kind of feel to some of it too um i think it goes a lot of cool places like that a, a lot of uh musical places with a lot of space i think that's kind of for me the connective element of this is that everything's given a lot of space and i think that's cool the songs go a lot of different places but they always have the same like i said sort of like murky swirly psych vibe to the whole thing um i love the bass drums synths all of them are totally in the pocket super confident and supporting one another throughout the whole thing without really competing for space or whatever just sort of a like a singular unit working together it's really cool the guitars are drenched in effects like so psych based sort of effects laden uh guitar stuff and i think the guitar is presented in a very brave almost brazen way and what i mean by that is we live in a time where like ripping a guitar solo at least for a long time was not that cool i think it's coming back i think people are starting to like rock again which is great but the guitar solos on this are definitely presented as like rock to me. Like these are rock and guitar solos. And I think it fits really well. And like I said, I think it's really 
overt and cool. And they they swirl and just slink through every moment of the music. Like there's this, this almost like constant swirling psychedelic guitar happening the whole time. The vocals, uh, and I'm glad you talked about this too. They're not, to me, they're not quite as serious maybe as the music seems, but in a really cool way. For me, it added like some levity to the whole thing and some like it sort of humanized the experience a little bit because yeah, the music can be pretty heady at times. Like it, it is dense and it's a lot to work through, but the vocals kind of cut through in this sort of visceral human way that sort of, for me, yeah, just added some grounding to the whole thing and made it, seem more like relatable than otherwise it might've been. Uh, and I thought that was cool. Most of the songs build until they sort of fall apart. And I get the sense that the journey through the song is maybe more important than, than how it resolves or what, or how it ends or the, you know, the overall result, I guess, of the song. Like it, it I think it has more to do with, uh, moving through the song, which I think is cool. We agreed on some of the things that it reminded us of. Modest Mouse for me. Uh, House of Large Sizes, actually, vocally a lot. I think X and um, the Butthole Surfers kind of mm-hmm. um, bring in that sort of country-ish vibe you were talking about to me. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the Meat Puppets I had as well. Like, I think that if you like the meat puppets, this is right there. And other elements of this too, like maybe Blind Melon or something. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool, a really good listen. And like you said, the length I thought was perfect. Not too much. You don't, you're not waiting for this to get over. Let me get It's like leave them wanting more, you know? And I think this does that well. So yeah, really cool record. And uh, yeah, you should check it out. enough bands to the meat pump right so that kind of makes me like kind of excited honestly so yeah, thank sure. you 10 tigers ac for the opportunity to yeah. compare your band to the meat puppets good stuff um, yeah really really good stuff well it's the end of an era it, yep it's the end of an era an era you know i like that name era i think that that's a it's a really good word wait what era are we ending Oh, just this episode of Excel. Oh, I, I wanted to make it sound it's like la- it was... it's lasted an entire era. Just this. Yeah. Well, episode. I like to think. I like to think of our episodes as eras, not just episodes. Right. We're right. trendsetters. I'm really into uh, Accelerative Thrust's uh, 121st era. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah. was their best. See, yeah. if we if we if we put it like that, 
mm-hmm. then we've got to sound impressive to people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have 121 eras already. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, oh, so here, here's a question. Yeah. How long does something have to exist for it to become an era? Mm, I think a, an era is probably defined by its difference from what came before. You so, know what I mean? More so than a specific time period. So I could invent something now yeah, and then destroy it in two minutes. And then I just created a two-minute era. Well, but it, you have to create something new. Uh-huh. Without well, a new yeah. era, there is no old era. It's just a thing that happened. Okay, so I have to create something completely new. <laughs> yeah, but it also new. has to be connected somehow, right? Well, like there's no eras of, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be connected too. It's got to be of a similar thing, but different enough that it's distinguishable from what came before. I think. I don't know. Anyway. So, so with this episode, we've entered the era of serious opinionated conversations about men's rights groups. And also, um, (laughs) it's going to be every episode. So get used to it. Damn. Damn. (laughs) We that, that should be like, if you like want to censor yourself and you don't want to say damn in front of kids, just be like, Hey, Oh, ham. No. God ham. God ham it. <laughs> Hog ham it. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. Fine. Fine. This is killing me, man. Man. All right. You know what? Uh you know what? I think this is well, uh this is a pretty good in- ending point. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we've said all that needs to be said. Let us let us know if you uh as usual, let us know if there's somebody out there who you think we should be talking about. Yeah. Uh, we're always wanting to hear new stuff. And uh, yep. yeah, all you have to do is send us uh, an Instagram message uh, or you can message us at uh, accelerative.thrust at gmail.com. Yeah. And tell us about your band. Tell us about your friend's band. Tell us about strangers' bands that you like and think we should check out. And yeah. Um, yeah, we're always looking for new stuff to listen to and, yep. and we want to hear from you. Honestly, we want to hear from you. It's really I, nice to absolutely not absolutely. just be talking into the void. Yes. I mean, yes. that's okay too, but you know, <laughs> you know, when you, when you talk into the void, the void talks back at you and I, I'm kind of sick of the void talking to me because, uh, I'd rather talk to people. The void doesn't always like um, say nice things. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's like, enter me. That's what it says yeah, all the time. Enter yeah. me and the pain will go away. And it usually does it in like a uh, Phil and Salmo type voice. Too. Yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you sure you don't want to just join me in the void? <laughs> Oh, oh man, God, that guy! Yeah, never that guy his is voice again. He really is something else, Phil and Salmo. Yeah, That's yeah, it. and I, I'm sorry to all the Phil fans, all the Pantera fans. It's not really about the music. I'm really talking about his interviews. Like yeah. it just, it, it makes me sad. It brings me down. I'm filled with dread every time I hear him talking in an interview. I don't, I can't explain it. Well, you know, That's the you, truth. You know, someone's voice who I can't stand. 
And this this is probably a hot take. I can't stand Jello Biafra's interview voice, man. Oh yeah. I really can't. I, I just yeah. I can't even listen to him talk. Like yeah. I'm sorry, but it stops <laughs> with the dead Kennedys for me, man. Yeah. That's it. Well, there you go. Hey, send us a message. Tell us whose voice you hate, uh, as long as it's not ours. And uh, that'd be fun. (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I'd like to hear that. Um, Maybe we'll Uh, do like a best best and worst voices of 2023 list or something. Yeah, and we'll do impressions (laughs) of all of them. Uh, Impressions of every single one of them, even though I am the worst at impressions. We'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. Wow. Well, All right, thanks, well, thanks everybody for listening and um and thanks for joining joining us for a whole new year of music talk. Whole new year, ladies. A whole uh, new year. year. And, a uh, year of stuff that isn't cool or maybe is. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. He definitely has a real life Grim Reaper vibe. <laughs> <laughs>